Welcome to the Touching Into Presence podcast. This podcast is for people who are interested in body work, empowerment, and somatic-based practices. I am Nikki Olson. I'm Andrew Rosenstock. We are certified rolfers. Collectively, we're trained in various movement and bodywork therapies with an emphasis on somatic awareness and client resilience. Through conversations, our goal is to share and explore mind-body paradigms to offer empowerment possibilities. We're grateful to be in conversation with Brooke Thomas. Brooke works in a variety of ways to teach about how to cultivate a relationship with our bodies and therefore with our being and how that can have a profound positive impact on an individual and collective level. At its core, her work is a lived inquiry about what it means to shift out of a mental conceptual lens and into an embodied experiential lens. This shift truly changes everything about how we meet ourselves and the world. She's a realization process teacher who works with clients one-on-one as an embodied coach, and does group work within the online embodied practice community of Liberated Being. She was a rolfer in her private practice for 20 years prior to this work. Brooke has run two podcasts, Liberated Body, which is now beginning again under the name Liberated Being, and Bliss and Grit, which she co-created with her friend Vanessa Scotto. In today's conversation, We talk about the Liberated Being community, her podcasts, social media and reality online personas, embodied coaching, clients' anatomies pop quiz, and knowing when it's time. So with that, let's begin our talk. Hey, Brooke. Hi, how are you? Good. Nice to meet you both. Likewise. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm just really excited to to talk with you. I I followed you periodically through your podcasts and blogs. I mean, I feel like you've been been at this for quite some time, mm-hmm. yeah. putting out some fun fun content that I think was certainly back in the day when you were doing it quite sparse in terms of especially this this genre of embodiment, rolfing. Yeah. So I've really appreciated the, the the work that you started. Thank you. In a lot of ways, you you were very inspirational as far as our podcast coming off because when when I started this, I sort of was listening to what was in the market and a lot of what I was hearing, I, I didn't connect with so much. Whereas your your previous podcast, not because you have a new one now, but the original one liberated um, body. Body, thanks. I almost said liberated being. Liberated body, clearly a fan. It has become uh, liberated being, <laughs> so okay. makes yeah. it understandable. Okay. Phew. Yeah. Uh, so, like, a liberated body was was great. What I, I really enjoyed was, I think, you and what you brought. And what I was, a lot of the other podcasts I was hearing now, I think a lot are probably inspired from you, but the the voice I couldn't connect with a lot. And, and there was, I think, too much earth mother, feminine goddess stuff. And then the opposite, like male chauvinistic and I wanted something else so I was inspired a lot from what I heard from you to create something new and then Nikki got involved and we're not we're not you know we're not liberated body slash being 2.0 we're we're something (laughs) different entirely but but there you know there are similarities and we have similar roots we're all Rolf graduates and Mm -hmm. we're all into embodiment so at some point there will be overlap we are you know we're definitely grateful I think in a lot of ways you could be seen as the the grandmother of. Uh, of <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> You'll take it. You're like looking at the gray hair is like grandmother. Um, <laughs> well, I've got mine too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, along that, what prompted you to start the original podcast and the blogs and all that? Like, what what sort of put you on that field? Well, so when I started Liberated Body, I had been in practice as a rolfer. It's hard to remember the exact amount of time, but something like 13, 14 years or something. So I had been at it for a while. And um, I'm, I'm really a lifelong learner. And so it started as a blog and became a podcast 
where I really wanted to be able to bring some of the things I was learning and the dots I was connecting forward somewhere. Like it really was a learning project that was mine. You know, it, it wasn't intended initially as anything other. And when I began it, I really was thinking about it from the point of view of having, you know, be, of being in practice as a rolfer and hearing and seeing similar things with my clients and thinking, you know, I'll put something together where people have a much better sense of um, what their body is, what is this model of how we view the body um, in this sort of unified way instead of bits and pieces of malfunctioning machinery, which is a lot of what the cultural frame is, right? And I had, you know, probably a, a well, I'll call it naive. I was going to say arrogant, but a really naive goal of I will be able to, if I take this on as a as a learning project where I'm really devoted to talking to a number of, of different people and looking at a number of different disciplines, I'll be able to put together um, the packet, you know, like the packet of information for people who I thought of as clients of mine about how they can be free of pain, age well, and just enjoy life in a body. So it started that way and very quickly um, became something actually that it turned out was for the manual and movement therapy professionals. Um, I guess I couldn't help my both nerdiness, like in terms of wanting to really deep dive into some of the subject matter, and then also this, um, for, for lack, really lack of a better word, <laughs> a spiritual component that was the thread through everything of not just talking about the body as an object, but body as, as being, as expression of, you know, I only get to live inside of this the whole time I'm here as Brooke. And I have no idea what comes before or after, <laughs> so I can talk about this. Um, so with that, it became the people who were attracted to the show, attracted to the work, were other professionals. And that was really, really lovely and really gratifying to be able to connect with other people who were tracking similar um, learning journeys and explorations in themselves as well. Pretty awesome. I resonate a lot with that specifically because it was a lot of similarities. Uh, one of the original thoughts in my own place was like, oh, this can be a way when people are like, what is Rolfing? You can say, oh, listen to this, listen to this podcast. And that was one of the original intentions sort of here was that, and this has blossomed into more, and I'm sure yours will blossom to a lot more than you could have ever imagined, so much so that you started something entirely new after that. Well, mm -hmm. was, that a, was that sort of a progression from the original? And then I guess for those listening, maybe you can talk about what came after Sure. You know, I was actually just talking yesterday with um, my friend, Bo Forbes, which some you might know and some people listening might know. And I had her on my show a couple of times, um, but she's a good friend. And, and like the people who know me well and who have followed this project, she was taking some time, as many have, to continue to remind me these projects are the same project. <laughs> There's nothing separate about them. So she's always been a helpful, like, hold up the mirror to me. Um, and I always knew that, but they can seem really separate. And it's partially because I've just been, you know, going through a genuine lived process as opposed to being a person who's trying to put together like a, a system of knowing. I've been a person who's been exploring something. And so Liberated Body, you know, I was talking with all these different kinds of people, anatomists, surgeons, biomechanists, yoga teachers, um, people who are coming up with new models of what air quotes fitness could mean. Um, and the, the heart of it was really just asking this question over and over again, or the exploration that wasn't intended by me wound up becoming, what's a body, what's a body, what's a body. And I started from the point of view of body as object, right? Like I'm going to help my clients be able to spiff it up as much as possible. And the more I had these conversations and the more I lived my own process, um, I, I couldn't answer that question and I still can't except to say, like, there's something fascinating happening here. Like, we get fascinated by cosmos, right? Like the cosmos and exploring the universe. And I, I find the body to be the same. You know, it's about beingness. 
It's about selfhood. It's also not like there was nothing at all that had to do with me that started to make my cells divide as an embryo. Like I, that's totally mystifying to me, you know, and everything that's going on with my physiology right now while I'm talking to both of you has nothing to do with what I tend to consider me, right? Like where I think about things and I make things happen, I make plans and I accomplish things and I understand things. I don't understand it. I don't make it happen. I don't accomplish it. And so it put me into this experiential place that could be described as um, spiritual. And my spiritual practice became somatic or body-based meditation, things related to interoception, things related to embodiment, and discovering how consciousness paired with the body, you know, so to make that less esoteric, just things like how much of my time I spend way ahead of myself. Like my mind is thinking and planning and thinking about the day and I'm literally, my awareness is situated in front of my body. And when I come and inhabit my body, the way I experience myself, the world, my plans for the day, (laughs) it completely changes. And I I trained in something um, called Realization Process, which was created by a woman named Judith Blackstone. And that's still something that's big part of what I teach and and practice. I work with coaching clients and have that community liberated being. And that's oriented in large part around the realization process and wound up with liberated body. Um, I have a very close friend, Vanessa Scotto. We've been friends for about 15 years and we would have these conversations, sort of the after conversation of liberated body together, where I would be sort of putting together, well, what does that mean to me? How does that change me, my experience of myself? Um, And she's a a psychotherapist. So we put together a show that actually lasted for four years and just ended, where it was much more just two friends having those conversations in like of what we're sitting with, what we're um, shifting or metabolizing. And um, it was really lovely to live that process as well in public. And then there comes a time with every project where that's as long as it was going to go and um, created Liberated Being, which is, you know, I tied it to the name Liberated Body on purpose to say embodied practice and shifting how we experience ourselves based on our relationship with body and self um has drastic <laughs> shifts for us as people and for how we experience the world and participate in the world. So it's a community that's really um built around embodied practice and and the implications of what that means for how we how we live really. Was the the podcast or the show that you did with your friend Bliss and Grit? Mhm. Yeah, I remember seeing um I don't know a newsletter or something that was put out and I, I followed that a little bit and I was like, gosh, that was like such a good idea because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many times, I mean, I have a certain, you know, crew of girlfriends where we go into this chit chat of what is embodiment for you or what embodiment practices are you doing now? What's, what are we into? And it would always lend into these really great conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really sweet that you and your friend had that. I like that you say your girlfriends because I was like, yeah, I have the same thing in mine or with my my female friends because it it is a generally less male-oriented field or it can be, which my girlfriend loves that I'm surrounded by females most of the time. But (laughs) when you were saying that, I had this sort of same, like a lot of times after our our talks, I have a, a friend who's a female who's We've done trainings together for years. She's a biodynamic cranial sacral Feldenkrais practitioner. And a lot of times I'll, we'll talk with someone on the, on our show. And afterwards I'll call her up and be like, download process back and forth. Yeah. Great. So I think it's really, it's a lovely idea. And, uh, and I listened to a few of the episodes before, uh, before I got inundated with just too many podcasts. Um, <laughs> right. There's uh, a lot of them out there now. Yeah. But no, I love, like for me, I love the idea that it's, it's you as a, as a body worker and a, a, a therapist because mm-hmm. that combination, you know, you have Soma and you have Psych 
and you start to bring that together is a, in my perspective, a lovely, lovely combination. Yeah, so. we were definitely, we were always on the same page, weirdly. And we were also entering that conversation from totally different vantage points, which I think is what made it useful conversation for someone to listen to and not just a phone call that we should have kept to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am sort of curious if it's comfortable to say like, because it's your second podcast that more or less has ended or ended for now. Mm-hmm. What is it that lets you know that like, oh, this is, this is the time. Yeah. Because they're, they're always started as, as inquiries and not as like a fixed sort of business plan or idea, which I'm not averse to, but that's, that's never been the intent. Um, I know that they're over when, when I feel like I have to do it. <laughs> and when it's not, I can't, I have, oh my gosh, I have a list of a dozen people or I have, you know, in the case of Bliss and Grit, three things that we could easily talk about today. Um, and it just feels alive and like what you want to do, like with, with liberated body. Um, when I entered that work, I was still in a very, very mental place. I'm bright. I like learning. Um, I like reading research and combing through it. And as I became more and more embodied, that became really hard work and also not that interesting to me. Um, it is interesting, but it wasn't that interesting to me. Like I, I wasn't so interested in discovering what parts of the brain light up when I have an experience so much as I was just <laughs> learning how to be with my experience. Um, so that's how I knew that was time to shift. And then with Vanessa and I, with Bliss and Grit, we just put out a whole episode about, you know, why we're moving on. So I won't belabor the point or anything because people can can listen to that. But similarly, you know, when we started that, it felt so fun to share our own inside out and outside in explorations. And then at a certain point, it felt like we wanted to have our own private <laughs> experiences. And there is a risk if you stay in that too long that you start performing yourself and we could see that risk coming in and we didn't want to be locked into performing ourselves. So well said and so true. I mean, I think when we follow into the the social media trap, which is, it can be so fun and there's so much out there and it's like a goodie bag for any interest you really have, but you can, especially I think, you know, for me, I felt like I've witnessed that a little bit of people that I started following early on in maybe their journey where they didn't have a ton of followers or advertising things. And then it, like the, the quality of their content kind of shifted a little out of the embodiment realm and kind of became into, well, a job. And, you know, they're they're probably doing fine and it's serving their their needs, uh, but you definitely can see that quality shift in terms of something authentic. If I just want to share and be out there, then when it becomes kind of like forced, like I got to do this, it's my job. I got to create content. I got to be out there and like constantly representing. So I'm on the, however, Instagram and Facebook manages, you know, who right. gets seen and all that, the, the, the shuffle game. But um, that's, I think that's so well said and so honest and appreciated. Yeah, and yeah. I, think, I think the word you said in really particular, Nikki, is that it's the authenticity. Because you can, I think there's, a, there's that balance between performance and, and being yourself. And when it starts to become more performance, it can lose the authenticity. And I mean, a lot a lot of what makes your podcast and and you so great is the fact that you're being honest. You mean, this is, this is what it is. And if you're doing a talk back and forth with each other and it's like, it loses that authenticity. It loses, it loses the whole entire feel of the, of the show. Yeah. For years, it was like, we, we couldn't wait to be recording and to see what we would talk about. And now we just do that as friends on the phone, just like we did before the show. And it sounds like a show. We always joke like, wish I had pushed record because um, it truly is what we care about talking about. But 
it is um, an interesting time where there's there's a lot of um, reward if you turn yourself into a reality TV show. And <laughs> we didn't want to, you know, because embodiment is about genuineness and it's about a level of honesty that's not super common. I don't mean that like I have this thing that other people don't have. I mean, it's a, a practice that I'm devoted to and will always be living. Um, so you have to watch when you start to, you know, put on the, the reality TV show and the temptations to like follow that model, like you were saying, Nikki, on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. And I have no problem with people, you know, just to be clear, making money, having voices, having things to say, but we have to watch, um, we get conditioned by what is the dominant stuff happening so quickly. And there's a lot of this um, turning yourself into a reality TV show, which I do yeah, not want to and, do. And it's hard to, I, I would imagine it's hard to talk about embodiment um, and when you're doing a reality TV show, because in some ways, at least in my construct, while they can be similar, reality TV shows, we all know is not, is no longer reality it's staged. It's like, so you can, you can be authentic and create wonderful social media uh, and you can script everything out and have that and still be, be you. But when it starts to become that, that next thing where it's, it, and it dominates your life and you're thinking all the time, well, well, how do I, not how do I be in this video, but how do I show off this thing, right? And there starts to be that, that separation. Yeah, there are, I'm sure there are many social media people who are very authentic and very, yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, but I, a lot of a lot of ones who I've I've worked with as some influencers, they're some of the most unhappy people I've ever met. It becomes <laughs> um, a prison. Yeah, it, 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 it becomes tell. very much so. Um, so it's always be careful for what you wish for. Well, it's a good one, uh, good conversation. Just to cap that off, is good conversation for people out there, especially. I mean, I I've, I train or was part of the teaching world of the now Dr. Ida Rolf Institute. And it was always interesting when there was the conversation of practice building and practice building, you know, you and I are probably, I, I was certified almost 20 years ago. So practice building then to now grossly different. And it is, I mean, there's a, I mean, putting an Instagram page is a lot more fun than, creating pamphlets and standing out and handing them out <laughs> to people <laughs> or getting your new fancy business card. Mm -hmm. But it's worth noting that because it could be happening unconsciously for some people if they're, they're getting excited about what they're, you know, the creativity that goes into their content, somebody liking it and watching the followers and, and getting kind of wrapped up into that. And it just kind of important opportunity for you to take for yourself is to take a step back and be like, okay, I need to have a, a reality check of where is my heart in this work? And am I constant, am I making sure that it's still staying relevant to the content that I'm putting out? Yeah. Yeah. And making sure that our lives get to um, belong to us. Cause I really, I mean, obviously, hopefully, obviously, I don't have a problem with using these tools, having done a podcast and I run an online community and, you know, things like that. Um, but they can start to own all of our thoughts and behaviors in a weird way, you know, where it's like, oh, I just had an interesting like little light bulb thought. Oh, I should turn that into a post for today. And if we're always, you know, thinking that way, and this is just for me, I, I have friends and colleagues who I think have navigated this really well. Um, but yeah, it was something that, that for me, has just not been something I can make myself do. <laughs> well, I imagine it's hard to also be a, a meditation teacher and teaching about being present while being like, Ooh, I think I have to get a photo of this because I have to do this and I have to do this, which is like the, the opposite of, of being present. Yeah, and and I, I do. I want to talk about what you're doing now, and with, with, uh, but before that, we have one question which we're just really dying to know, which is: are, are you still rolfing? Do you still do manual work? You're asking me this on a weird week, so I just announced to my clients this week that I um, am closing my practice. So that 
I guess I could say it was kind of in the works, um, but obviously was more of a surprise with, with COVID was not what I anticipated doing. So uh, with my son, I do, we're part of a homeschool co-op, which we commute, commuted an hour away to. And so because my work involved touching people and where my home is and not an hour away where the the co-op was, I knew that things were going to have to shift and I was going to have to emphasize my online work, which I have been shifting into for years anyway, and doing more and more, you know, of client work on Zoom with the embodied, I call it embodied coaching. It's primarily realization process, but also um, pulls a lot from John Prendergast's heart inquiry work. So I don't just call it one thing because it's kind of a mashup. Um, And then, you know, COVID came along in March and touch-based work wasn't happening. And once it was, I'm in Connecticut, which is a state that um, was in a really bad way when we first went into lockdown and has been doing really well since about June. So I set up a backyard table and saw a few clients, you know, some people who I've worked with for a decade or so in my backyard, which was in some ways really lovely to reconnect that way and do touch work after being at home for so long. Um, but I just knew I wasn't going to be reopening my office in this um, because of, you know, some health things that I have personally, it was a higher risk choice than it might be for some. And my heart is in teaching this embodied practice. Like I really light up doing that. So um, (laughs) life just kept pushing me out of the nest. This nest (laughs) is pushing you out, pushing you out. And so I just announced that this week. But it was actually October 6th would have been, I can't remember if it's 20 years or 21 years. So it was a while. Oh, your practice is almost old enough to drink. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Maybe it's its big 21st birthday this year and I robbed it of the festivities. (laughs) Well, one one of the nice sort of, again, coming back to earlier is like what you were saying, things have their course and it's all a part of something else. But, you know, similarly, you you stop liberated uh, body and then I think it, you put a you, in May. You put something out, or you recently you put like a one one talk out. Um, I, I did a class. Yeah. So even like the Rolfing can close for now, and then later it can open if that is, and if not, everything has their their time and and place. Yeah. So that's a great way. We didn't plan this. But the transitions are wonderful. It's a great way to transition to sort of your embodied coaching. What are you doing now? What is that sort of thing? Yeah, what lights you up about it? Yeah, so with embodiment, if it's not going to become a concept, which like we all have such strong conditioning around that, that we're living from such a mental conceptual place. So you'll see that, for example, when people, you know, do studies about meditation, it's like it lowers its heart, your heart rate and it makes you more productive, right? And that's objectifying meditation. Like, oh, good, I'm going to like take the pill <laughs> and get the benefits. It has this very pharmaceutical kind of feeling. But when people are living in body practice, like what I described, right, I notice where am I located? Am I always way out ahead of myself? How do I locate inside myself, which I don't do 100% of the time? And I'm not holding myself to that either. It's a playful lived practice. Um, what is my experience when I can locate my awareness in my heart when I am checking out at the grocery store, you know, how does that change? And not in this way where I'm pulling on someone to see me as the most heart centered, most amazing person ever, but like, I'm literally just inhabiting that place and just noticing what shifts and changes. So it's very intimate and it comes up against all of our stuff, all the ways that we've been conditioned to objectify ourselves, our experiences, um, and all of the, the habits we have of what we've been trained to do from family of origin, you know, which is like the good people are like fill in the blank is kind of what we absorb at a young age. And then culture of origin, much larger container, you know, the good people are like blank. Um, busy and perfectionistic and, you know, all of these different things. So the, in the coaching work, the intimacy of being able to really be embodied together and to see 
where these things are playing out, like what are the threads that we can follow that lead us into a new experience, shifting to a different way of orienting and knowing and being. Um, yeah, I think is really, it's been important for me personally in my own process. And I love doing that with my clients. And then liberated being is group work, um, which is also very satisfying and just different, you know, so we, we practice together live and we run on something that's basically like a private social media network, you know, so if we come up against something, um, we can communicate about it there together and also see that we're not alone and that other people are in this weird thing that's hard to even articulate <laughs> um, and having their own experience of it and their own path of it. That sounds very, how do I, I mean, it's clear that you are oriented from a sense of embodiment, just in terms of, I mean, the way you've spoken about liberated body transitioning into liberated being and bliss and grit really being mindful of what you, what you want to share and when it's time to stop sharing and, and do something different. And I think that I haven't followed so much of the, the more recent um, content that you put out, but when you were talking about how, you know, your interest with liberated body and coming from, you know, kind of a body nerdy, really getting into the, the science of it, you know, as you were saying that and I get to see you, I was like, wow, that really did resonate as a, as a viewer of that. I really appreciated that you had this nice balance of really kind of going for the raw data, the, the real, like, the science information, but then incorporating where a rolfer or a body manual therapist would want to know that kind of information. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's fun to just to, to see and hear you speak about that. Cause in a way you've always been on like a radar for me of like when I'm kind of out there looking for, for fun, new information. So your name will pop up. I'm like, oh, yeah. And like I mentioned, like, <laughs> I remember I'm not really sure what you and Rachel are doing, but I was like, oh, yeah, that was Rachel's friend. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just I think you're 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 going to be super fun to continue to to follow as you are very mindful of the content. And I think our, our listeners who want to follow you will have a better understanding who you are and that you're really coming from a, a, a place of creating true authentic meaning with what, what you're doing and not just putting something out there because it's, you know, the fad in the, in the movement world. But yeah, you have some really great, great guests that you have on your podcast. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was fortunate that so many of those people had conversations about their work at that time. And what's really nice is, um, you know, I, I came to it later. I think, I mean, you've probably been doing it for a few years by the time I, I found it, but it was still relevant. Mm -hmm. you know, it still is there. And I think for a lot of people, it's a great, and it's part of what Nikki and I were sort of hoping about this is to, one thought was, okay, you're going to Rolfing or, or the Guild School and you want to know more about the field. Here's, here's resources you don't have before. Here you can hear a Rolfer from the 1970s, a Rolfer from this, a, a cranial sacral, or whatever the greater scheme is. And, and it just sort of lives out there for, for better or for worse. So it's, it's it, in a lot of ways, it's a real nice, I would say your podcast in particular is a nice gift for humanity. Thank you. Yeah, I've been amazed, actually. I was actually just on um, my publishing platform today because I'm about to start publishing as Liberated Being podcast. So we have these guest teacher gatherings in the community, and I'm pulling little bits of embodied wisdom out. So you'll see that coming up on what used to be Liberated Body feed. I'm just changing the name. But I was looking and seeing, and it always amazes me that people thousands of people are still listening every month because I haven't been making that podcast for years. And 
I got to talk to a lot of my heroes, you know, people who, when I was training, I was reading their books and reading their papers and, um, it was really lovely to be able to talk to them because we're, we're a weird bunch, right? Like people who are practicing this form of body work and embodiment, like we are outside of the model of body as like machinery that is either doing a good job or a bad job and, you know, breaking down or doing well. Um, so getting to talk to people in all these sort of in-between places of, um, you know, posture is an exploration as opposed to like, well, what's the right way to do posture would be sort of the more common frame. So yeah, it was a great, a great joy. And I'm always amazed that people are still listening to those episodes from like you were quoting, what, 2015 or something like that a while ago. So a question I have, which is how did or does rolfing or your rolf practice influence your embodied coaching uh, the the platform you have now how did it or what of that or maybe another question would be how did you go in from that into into this well i mean i'm sure it's influenced me in many ways that i can't even articulate and the the one that i can see is you know being a rolfer really taught me how to be really how to be in relationship with people in a therapeutic setting, you know, that it wasn't about following these sort of rules of ways to be, although of course I followed ethical rules, but that there's something about when you drop into that space with your client and you're, you know, doing touch-based work and you're not vigilantly tracking what's going on with their body, but you're listening, you know, you're, you're listening with your whole being and you're really present to them. I can't have asked for a better training and how to really be with people like that level of presence isn't something um, that's common in other professions. You know, if I'd gone from web designing to coaching, I, I probably would have a much different way of dropping into presence with people. So um, it taught me that in a beautiful way. And then if I can be completely honest about one of the things that broke my heart over and over again, and it was a part of wanting to actually leave Rolfing, which people who are listening will say, well, you could have just changed that. It's like, I, I did work with that. And what I found is that people are really convinced that there's something wrong with them. And we're all reared on that, like mother's milk in this culture. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? But people would always, because my practice started such a long time ago and my orientation, so I found rolfing because I had, I grew up with um, significant chronic pain and mobility issues and neurological issues from a birth injury. So rolfing air quotes fixed me. And so I had a practice where I air quotes fixed people. You know, I had people who, well, my ankle hurts, fix it. My back hurts, fix it. And all of us get some of that to a certain degree or, or another. Um, and people do notice that their lives are changing, that their way of relating is changing, that their emotions are changing through the work. But a lot of people were still entering through Fix Me. And I just, people wanted a lot of, please tell, deliver to me what's wrong with me. And I couldn't do it anymore. I mean, I couldn't do it for a long, long time, right? But I understand the question, you know, so if somebody comes in with ankle pain and you're checking the range and mobility of that ankle joint, it makes perfect sense that they would ask, what's wrong with the range? You know, is there a way that it has problem moving? What's the problem? So I, I understand that a hundred percent, but it was like such a hard frame because if I would say, oh yeah, you know, it, it, uh, you know, dorsiflex is just great, but the plantar flexion is something's off here, which was true. The way that it would be interpreted and held onto as what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me, and that it was always like this, well, what are you touching now? Well, why is that so tight? Well, am I walking round, uh, wrong? Am I standing wrong? Well, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what's wrong with me. And honestly, it was, it was illuminating and it's a part of what made me want to go into the embodied coaching um, world is because I'm, I'm interested in, in that. 
that we can shed this there's something wrong with me lens that is so challenging. And I often with my clients would bring that up, right? So I didn't just dodge it for a bunch of years and then bail on my practice. Um, we would talk about it, but it was very challenging for people to let go of that. Um, and even just things like, um, I'll call it like anatomy pop, pop quiz. You know, what are you touching now? What are you touching now? <laughs> and I remember when I interviewed on Liberated Body, Pete, Pete Walker, who, no, not Pete Walker. He wrote a different book on trauma. Um, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. I literally just met with him as a guest teacher on Liberated Being. It'll come to me. He wrote the book Intelligent Yoga. And he was telling me, this was actually, I moderated him on a panel in New York. And he was telling me that he would sometimes <laughs> make up when people would ask him that question. Well, when I do this, what's working? You know, what am I, what muscle am I using? He would make up muscle names. <laughs> well, that's your anterior cruciformius, you know. People go, oh, okay. And then towards the end of the class, he'd be like, that's actually, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a trickster. I made that up. Um, Pete Blackaby, Peter Blackaby. And he would do it. He's a very loving person. He's not, he doesn't care to mess with people. And he would say, did it change your experience of it? Or was it just a word? that you could grab onto and, and feel like you could pin something down because probably it actually kept you a little bit from whatever your experience was because you felt like, oh, right, that's the anterior cruciformius and it, it laterally rotates my blah, 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 as opposed to just, just feel what it's like to be moving your leg right now. And I really admired that when he said that. I also found it wildly hilarious, but there is such a strong... I am an object that's either getting it right or getting it wrong. And please tell me which box I get to put myself in. Um, that was a part yeah. of me moving on. It's interesting hearing that. And I might get the muscle wrong, interior cruciate fornicus. <laughs> I just um, yes. I know. <laughs> but, but When you've I, said I mean, enough of these yeah. words, you can just pull, pull different mix and match out of here. <laughs> I mean, I, I have that a lot of how when I come to practice, it's all about the embodiment of it and the awareness when people will ask me sometimes, I have sort of a sharp New England nature. Well, my answer in the past might be like, well, does that matter? Does that, yeah. you know, which isn't really building. You know, I sort of stop doing that because it doesn't. If someone's asking and I say, well, you know, does that, does that matter? That then doesn't help the relationship a lot. So the way that he did it, um, I feel like it's a nicer way. I, I feel like for my own practice, I have to fine tune that still, find a way that that gives them the, ex the experience, but doesn't cut them down, but also gets the same thing. Like what I'm touching in this moment in a lot of ways is, are the exact muscle or ligament or joint or, or nerve doesn't necessarily have to do with the whole entire process uh, of, of whatever you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. And I live um, and have practiced for, you know, the whole second half of my practice for like the last 11 years near the Yale campus. So a lot of my clients are Yale students, Yale professors, Yale deans. So very, very, you know, filled with a lot of very bright intellectual academic Ivy League minds. And so one of the things that I would say to people that actually worked is if it, if it was a lot of anatomy pop quiz or what's wrong with me, I'd say, you know, your, your life is filled with you being really, really bright about so many things. And this is just this little gem of a moment where you get to just have a pure experience of your body. And sometimes I wouldn't lay it on this thick depending on their personality, right? But you know, sometimes I would be a little more short and sweet about it. But if they were open to it and just say like, just let yourself feel what this feels like without labeling what may be wrong or not wrong and what Latin name gets attached to it. And for some people that helped because it felt like being invited into this delicious experience that they actually don't get to have very often because their mind is constantly churning on really um, complex intellectual problems. And I feel like you're tapping into this new, it shouldn't really be new, but a way of talking about our bodies and experiencing our bodies in a way that isn't so much about tagging because I think sometimes people are, you know, the pop quiz, the, I mean, I like how you've just said that, like the pop quiz anatomy questions. 
that's everybody has their starting place and that might be their their way of like feeling into being embodied because you know some people have no idea that the leg is low like the lower leg and the lower arm are two bones yeah and the, to start having that experience so yeah i think that's a, a really interesting comparison that you did with your your yale clientele mm-hmm. because that's probably the way they they've oriented and have learned and most of us, I mean, it, it is, we're so into wanting to label, to have an understanding, but there's, to be vague and curious, that's, yeah. that's risky in some ways, because that, that means that you're not nailing on this really fancy word that everybody can throw out, like, you know, in the fitness world, psoas. The psoas is this mystery, super cool muscle <laughs> Where it's like, it is, but there's also a lot of other super cool muscles and things that happen in your body that make profound movements. I mean, um, I had a client who, you know, she had a significant car accident, quite a bit of trauma throughout her body, and just simply taking her arm into an external rotation and a side bend of her head, just stretch a lateral compartment of her head, um, neck sent her right into a memory where she's yeah. like, I'm in tears and simple, simple movement, mm-hmm. but staying in, I mean, it could, it could have been this, the stretch could have happened in any other moment, but the languaging that we were doing in terms of this, this movement practice, what I think was setting her up to feel safe, to step into an experience. Of, yeah. The, and the presence you brought, you know, invites somebody into an experience, which is just really different than, you know, what what category can I put my body in or what category can I put parts in? Like you were saying about the psoas, right? We decide some parts are super fascinating, so magical, and other parts are like adipose tissue, mm-hmm. not magical. It's like, why? <laughs> you know, it's kind of all pretty magical. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, from a practitioner point of view too, I have to check myself because in my movement work, I, I hold a, a pretty wide spectrum of it. it can be very experiential to, you know, a cardio hit experience. Mm-hmm. But Which I personally love. So I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm a fan of all of the kinds of movement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I have to make, I'm still always when we're in more of when I'm on that experiential spectrum, I'm always feeling like, well, not always. But I, I catch myself. Even I've gotten reinforcement from the client. I'm like, are you sure you don't want to have cardio? Are you sure you're not looking for your heart rate to get pumping? They're like, no, I can. You're doing something. I like what I'm doing with you. You're totally different. And it's like, yeah, I can add on some kind of familiar Pilates, yoga, I have a bunch of different modality backgrounds. But it's just this conversation is kind of mirroring to me too of like, as much as I also really love the embodiment and, and love to work with that language and experience with people, I think because what we're so used to seeing in the mass publications of content and social media and everything like that, I mean, listen, if you're scrolling through Instagram, is it going to be more exciting to see somebody do a ballistic jump? And they might be thinking of like, oh, yielding to the ground and feeling to the sky. That's going to be a little bit more fun to watch than someone sitting and slowly moving. (laughs) So um, it's, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. The the eye, the embodiment eye candy that is so much more out there than, what really is happening behind the scenes. Yeah. And noticing too, you know, I'm being, I'm repeating myself a bit, but how much of our frame is about problematizing things. Like I remember when I was teaching group yoga classes and I had this sort of out of body moment, I'd been teaching for a few years where I, I heard myself doing this very compelling fear mongering thing where I'm like, well, you have to do this with your shoulders or, or you might wind up with a frozen shoulder, like X percentage 
of Americans over the age of 45 do, right? I probably wasn't being quite so um, egregious about it, but the way I was observing myself was like, why do we always have to jump ahead and tell people the reason why you're moving, not all of us, right? But I had gotten into this rut where I had had this modeled and it became compelling to, to do subtle fear mongering to make people interested in their bodies or to do a certain movement. Well, if you don't do this, you know, if you don't do lateral hip stabilizing movements, you'll be like one of those many who X, Y, Z, you know, winds up with hip bursitis or whatever. Cause I had been taught in that way. And, um, I just don't want to do fear mongering anymore. I certainly don't want to do it around people's bodies and I don't want to turn us into problems anymore, even though sometimes we have problems that need to be addressed, but that's different than jumping out ahead of something being like, careful, careful. You know, if you don't, and we see that a lot in the Instagram world too. Yeah. Well, the important thing is we're all going to have problems. Yeah. We're, we're, we're human are, beings. We, we got Bodies, it. Yeah. Weird it's stuff. Of, not perfect. Yeah. But <laughs> we don't want to be a, a, identified with it. I mean, some people want to because it's, it, it orients them or fulfills something for them. But yeah, hopefully we can eventually break away from this idea that we should be pain free. I mean, be nice to not have so much pain, but, but being completely pain free your whole entire life. I mean, not, not realistic. It's like when you're in pain, how do you get to be in pain and not let it ruin your world and that you can find better, find, be resourced with it. Yeah. And that's another disembodied lens, right? Is perfection that we, Mm -hmm. one day we'll cross the finish line or grab the brass ring and be, and be perfect. We'll move perfectly. We'll breathe perfectly. We'll sleep perfectly. We'll have zero pain. And that's just actually not what the human experience is, as far as I can tell. (laughs) Do either of you remember the movie Parenthood? I don't think I saw that one. It's an amazing cast. It's a comedy. Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, Keanu Reeves, Jason Robards. A lot of... That's good um, stuff, yeah. It's great stuff. It's from the 80s, maybe early 90s. Still holds up. But there's this scene where the, the grandfather was talking to... I think his son, I forget. And he basically says, like, you never cross the finish line. You never spike the football. As a kid, I watched it, didn't quite understand it, but it got planted in. And it's it's somewhat true. I think that we're constantly crossing the finish line. At exactly. the same point, there's always more. There's always more to do. At the same point, each step is crossing a, a finish line. Each step is spiking a touchdown. Yeah, um, that's a lovely frame to bring in, you know, so instead of like, you never get to cross the finish line, right? it's like yeah. every moment is crossing the finish line. I just, yeah. I'll write to the directors. I just came up with that addendum there. But I mean, that that's how, you know, when I hear you saying, so I, I'm a lot more fresh at not a body work, but at rolfing and rolfing really changed how I approach body work. And I hear you, I'm, I get, I leave sessions with people who are like, what's wrong with me? What's this more tired? Um, yeah. than with others but i also i currently because i'm a fresh young newbie who's like oh i can do take on the model of we're educators and so it can be a job of us to help shift that framework from yeah. that and into this like give me like five more years and i may call you up and be like dude i'm fucking exhausted now i hear you i hear you <laughs> and it depends where you're located too you know i'm in the the northeast in a ivy league town um so that I remember going to a continuing ed training with um, Continuum and there was a lesson uh, with the teacher was from Berkeley. There was a lesson on teaching people how to make subtle, subtle incremental movements to unwind their own spine. Beautiful, such beautiful work. Not super applicable for my Northeastern Ivy Leaguers. (laughs) Where I'm just going to talk to you while you sit on a table and unwind your own spine is just, it works really well in certain places, depending on who your clientele are. Um, and it is our work to, to be a bridge, right, into a different relationship it, that people have with their bodies. And that was one of the honors of my practice. And so a part of it was just, you know, how do you know when a project is done? Training and realization process felt like I am, I'm now in a realm where in Rolfing, people could treat me a little bit like 
an alternative to physical therapy, right? In some ways I am. With realization process, it's so explicit, right? It's like you're you're coming here to develop a relationship with yourself and to step outside of these disembodied frames of perfectionism. What's wrong with me? All these things that we all absorbed that that don't help us to lead particularly full or nourishing lives. So you'll be great. And you're gonna <laughs> and you're gonna be able to help people to have a different relationship with their bodies, which is quite quite a lovely thing to be able to do for work. Yeah. And your work is also just very lovely. Um, and the way that a fair amount of body workers, I think, are all going in that, like, let's fix me more, create that relationship with yourself. Yeah, um, it's interesting. It's like we all get on this ride. Some people know they're getting on that ride, but mm -hmm. in my experience, a lot of us don't. I didn't. Um, and we all seem to evolve in that that direction. I talk with a lot of my friends and colleagues too. And um, yeah, something's shifting. Hopefully it's something that's shifting representative right in the larger collective that we're experiencing in our practices. Yeah. I would just say, you know, and, and this might not apply for the people who listen to this show, but I find that even with my friends and colleagues who are in work of embodiment, there can still be these um, confusions or, or blind spots, you know, that that embodiment is something we we do right so we're, we're trying to talk about something that's a very slippery fish um and that the invitation is to to play with that in whatever way or work is already in people's lives there's so many different ways to play with that that's lovely so if people want to play with you uh, <laughs> how do they do that? Well, um, so liberatedbeing.community is the website for the, the embodied practice community. And actually, um, I'm not sure when this episode was out, but that is going to close September 15th because it's I'm switching to doing um, an immersion. So we're going to start an immersion in January. And that's in part because, you know, we've been doing live practice together six days a week. We have guest teachers once or twice a month. And um, that's been lovely. Um, but I wanted the frame to be a little more clear, you know, like what are the this sort of terrible languaging, but what are the core competencies of embodiment? And then how do we bridge that into our lives instead of it just being something we we do here and there? or try out a smattering of practices here and there, or a smattering of guest teachers. So um, that will be available to people, and that's going to be a 10-month process where I bring in 10 guest teachers. Um, and I'm also you know, teaching, and we're bridging in a, in a sequence that I think makes sense, um, but not just me, other colleagues of mine as well bridging embodied practice into actually really shifting our lens out of, it's not a small thing, right? Like out of what we have been conditioned as a, a lens that we're seeing life through. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And that starts in January. So there's that. And then my, my coaching practice, people can find it brookthomas.me. And there's um, some opportunities to work with me that way as well. Thank you for taking time to, to share with us. It's been really interesting to learn about your process and your journey with the work. Thank you. Yeah. And like you referenced earlier, one of the nice parts of this podcast is to get to meet people who have in some way or another touched your life. And you have done that for me in a lot of ways. So it's, it's really been an honor and it's nice. It's nice when you get to well, see the person, um, and, and interact with the person instead of just listening or reading. So it's been really lovely. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thanks to both of you for putting together this project. You know, I think the more of these, the better, where we can be sitting in these kinds of, of inquiries and um, talking with other like-minded structural integrators and rolfers and um, different manual movement therapists. It's good work. So thank you. Thanks. Thank thanks. you. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye. Ciao. Thank you for listening to us at Touching Into Presence. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. You can find out more about Brooke 
at brookthomas.me and liberatedbeing.community. Please feel free to leave us positive reviews on your favorite podcast players, and please share us with people who may be of interest. We do this for all of you out there and do hope we're making a difference in your worlds. We look forward to hearing back from you and seeing you on our next conversation at Touching Into Presence. Bye-bye.